0: Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What a beautiful throw by the Baker. Victor
1: baby! Touchdown!
0: Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are brought to you on this Blue Wire podcast By TickPick, T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, the original no-fee ticket site. Make sure you're using TickPick for all your ticket needs, as the price at the beginning of the transaction is your price at the end. They give you fantastic deals without the hidden fees, and if you find a better deal on another ticket broker, they'll match that up to 110% at TickPick. Again, use the promo code BREAKDOWN, get $10 off your first purchase by going to TickPick.com slash BREAKDOWN using the promo code BREAKDOWN. So we are... Diving into a little bit of offense here, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it because I talked so much on the Twitch about it yesterday, and we're going to talk with Matt Waldman about my concerns collectively about the offense. I would urge you to go check out the Twitch replay because that's where I divulged uh, some of the issues, I think, with the passing game. Listen, though, they're putting up points. They're fine. This is not meant to freak anyone out. I'm pretty hard on Baker because I thought he left 350 yards and three touchdowns on the field. But again, Aaron Rodgers has bad games. Pat Mahomes will have a bad game every now and again. Like, bad games happen. It's not meant to incite panic. He just had a game where a lot of similar a lot of similar uh, issues that, that have given him fits in the past popped up. You don't like to see that. He also was dealing with a left shoulder injury. It's very excusable. I didn't think the ball velocity dipped, and he said he was fine, and I, I didn't see any issues. But you never know. Mentally just wasn't there. And I don't think Baker was the only one that wasn't mentally there. Like, I think, for the most part, a lot of people weren't sharp in this game. I mean, Joel Batonio graded out with a, a 58.8, one of his worst grades, and I thought there was a bunch of miscommunication with the offensive line and run schemes. They had more negative run plays than I've seen in a long time. And that just, to me, this tells me they weren't very sharp. And that's what happens. You know, you just you have games where you're not sharp. And, again, it's not the end of the world. It happens. But I want to make sure to share those things with you because my job is to analyze this stuff, right? We're going to bring on a guest too, Matt Waldman. And listen, Matt has been a uh, pretty, pretty steadfast in where he's at on Baker Mayfield. And I try to push back a little bit to talk about the growth. Matt's going to tell you his side of things. It's okay in life to to not always uh, not always agree with everybody, but hear different perspectives. So I think that that's what I like about Matt. That's why I wanted to bring him on. Uh, we talk not just about the offense; we do dip into the the defense at the end too. So make sure you stick around for that. But otherwise, offensively, they ran a ton of 13 and 12 personnel, as you would, <clears throat> as you would excuse me presume they would do when they lose Jarvis Landry after two total snaps in the game. So, you know, and and the 12 and 13 of of 19 of those plays from from 12 and 13. They ran empty on 8 of them, so they are not afraid to spread you out and throw the football even with heavy doses of tight ends and a running back on the field. They'll keep doing it. I thought the game plan was great. They had players open throughout the game. Again, didn't connect on enough of them, but the game plan to me was really strong. And, you know, Demetric Felton in 3 offensive snaps producing 51 yards and a touchdown is 98.7 pro football focus grade and 95.9 uh, pass grade uh, receiving grade was Pretty indicative of a guy who made some really heroic plays. So, again, if you want deeper, deeper dives on the offense, go check out the Twitch channel. The replay should be up there for several days. I'll leave it up for a while. I'm going to write up the all-22 scouting notes. Again, I'm not—don't get mad at me if you're like a staunch believer. Like, you you, you won't hear any criticism of Baker. He just didn't play well. And on Twitch, I I highlighted it. I'm going to talk about it here with Matt a little bit. It's always about, for Baker, how does he get to the next level? He's in year four. What do you have to do to get to the next level and the next level and be considered among the greats in the league? That's what I'm always looking for with him because that's what he wants. That's what he's going to demand fiscally, right? He's going to demand those things, and he needs to match it with his play. And I just didn't think he played well. The 73.2 grade, the 19 of 21, fine. But if you take out a lot of those easy boot throws and you take out Felton's hero plays that he made people miss in space, you're, you're probably looking at, you know, something like 120 yards of, of passing offense, which we all know is not acceptable. You need to, he had so many opportunities to cut the Texans up and it didn't come to fruition. So again, still believe in Baker Mayfield, think he's going to be fine. Think he is fine. He just had a bad game. That made me think of a lot of the things that have given him fits over the last three years, so I, I talked about them again more extensively on the Twitch show. It's really hard to post it as a podcast, guys, because it makes no sense. I listen to it. You have to see the visuals. I'm leaving those visuals up for you so you can watch them there. That just you got to trust me. It's terrible audio only form. So not going to do it. But offensively again, I think you got to shout out Harrison Bryant who had an 85 grade. He blocked his butt off. 18 run block snaps. He had 70 grade. Uh, pass, pass snaps he had 12 pass snaps for 79.4 grade. There, Nick Chubb played really well, thought he ran the ball at 84.1 clip, which was great. Hooper played well, had a 74.9 grade, caught the ball well, blocked well. Key block on the 26 yard touchdown in the fourth quarter. They had good performances. Again, check out the all 22 scouting notes that are going to be up on the OBR. You'll find a lot more of my takes there. But this is a good interview with Matt. Again, different perspectives and, and, and you might not agree with everything he's saying, but he's got a stance and he's studied this thing. So, you know, I, I always like to bring on opposing, uh, opposing thoughts and pro, you know, thought processes and hear all angles of, of discussion. So let's, uh, let's get over to that interview with Matt Waldman right now.
2: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
0: Okay, I've heard him on this podcast before. I think he does some of the best film work on Twitter. I have followed Matt for a long time. We go back and forth on a lot of topics. I talk about his uh, profound love for Nick Chubb and being one of the first people that got me to see the light. You know, I think that's a big deal. Uh, we see the light every day with Nick now. But yeah, this is this is Matt Waldman. Matt is fantastic. Uh, you've, like I said, you've heard me talk about him, Matt. How are
1: you? I'm doing great, Jake. It's always great to get to chop it up with you.
0: Yeah, man. Likewise. I want to I wanna dig in on where, just kind of give me, you've watched both games, where you think the Browns sit after two weeks. Are they who you thought they were, or have you seen some things that are giving you a little bit of a, a hesitation?
1: I, I feel like they're where I thought they would be right now, meaning that, you know, the run, great, run game looks good. You know, um, the schemed offense, the schemed plays on offense look good. Um, I think that the that the defense has potential, but it's going to take some time. And I think they're figuring out what they want to do because they have some players on the back end that are really intriguing, but kind of really understanding how to use them in games is something that I think is is still a work in progress. The run stopping is looking great with Clowney. Um, and some of the things that, that he's allowed to do has been helpful to set some things up. Um, so overall I'm pleased. Um, but I think again, it's just like every other team, whereas maybe some people look at say Kansas city and they say, maybe the, the, buzz the, the bloom has come off the rose a little bit. They're still adjusting too to some of the new things they have going. I think Cleveland's the same thing. You look at all the free agent acquisitions and what they did last year and the expectations can be sky high. I think they're in a good place, but they're not playing to that sky high expectation, but it's two weeks.
0: Two weeks indeed. thought Baker was pretty strong week one. Uh, definitely had to do some deciphering there in the last few drives. Things didn't go as planned, but overall pretty strong. Completion percentage was great week two. A lot of fans of this podcast, listeners, will have either watched the Chalk Talk live or will watch it uh, in a replay form. And I wasn't kind. He was 19 of 21. That's great on the surface. Hundred or sorry, 213 yards a touchdown a pick. But if you remove Demetrik Felton playing hero ball on a couple short throws, Take away some schemed-up boot throws. He threw for about a buck twenty in an interception, and he looked pretty bad. Now, this isn't just Baker. It's not isolated to him. I thought collectively they looked like they just wanted to skip week two. Can we sim it like a Madden franchise mode? We know we're better. We're not really here to give our full effort and attention and, and uh, preparation. It happens. It's human nature. But when breaking down Baker, I thought he'd made great strides the second half of 2020 to get to a better place. Saw some things positive in week one, week two was a step back, curious kind of, you know, I'm not looking for you to go too deep into this map, but just like where you are with Baker now in year four and based on what you've seen the first two weeks. Well, not much has
1: changed for me with Baker Mayfield throughout all of this. I mean, in my pre-draft evaluation and, you know, I know certain a lot of people are wanting more, especially a quarterback star Browns community over so many years that they feel like that they've you know, they've found the oasis here. And and I think that Baker Mayfield has played well enough obviously because of this offense that they can make schemed plays. And there are schemed plays and talent plays. And scheme plays are when you're functioning in managing the offense and executing what they've decided to play within structure well. And I think he does that extremely well. Um, the thing that I think is still left to be seen with him is whether or not he can become a talent play executor. You know, Russell Wilson is the ultimate talent play executor. Drew Brees, to another player he was compared to pre-draft by many folks, was while he was heavily in the scheme plays, he had the talent to do things outside of structure within his athletic ability. And I think when we look at Baker Mayfield right now, I still see a player who struggles with those, you know, three to five, four to six talent plays where he has to create outside the structure or to work beyond the ceiling that the defense is trying to close in on with him and it just doesn't quite work for him still i think that he i i still see the issues there with him and i think that's a hard pill for a lot of browns fans to swallow i mean i see folks a lot where you know i was telling you pre show that i see a lot of folks who You know, we've been so starved for quarterback play since Kozar and Siph that when you see something as simple as a corner route that's well thrown, but it's something that you would expect any starting quarterback to hit, people are like, that's an elite throw. And I don't think folks, I think folks in their desire to see elite play and because they saw the stats, they're, they're mixing up the data of the result with the process and the, pro, the sample size of those small plays that matter um, most in the difference of games. PFF isn't going to put more weight on that. So if you're looking at pro football focus and how they look at that, they'll say, well, the sample size isn't high enough. That's fine. From their point of view, they're not going to be able to analyze that type of thing. Well, based on the way that they go about it. But if you look at year after year after year of grading quarterbacks, it is that small sample of plays that matter most when you're differentiating between a Kirk Cousins of the NFL or a Jeff Garcia at his prime where he was a Pro Bowl caliber player of the NFL and a Russell Wilson or a Tom Brady or a Drew Brees. And I think that we have to you know, in our rush to want to make him elite so that we can say we're going to be a great contender. You you know, we I think we need to slow our roll a little bit. He still has to he's been tested a little bit and it hasn't shown up yet. And I think if it had shown up in a big way, Cleveland would have already picked up his his extension or the opportunity to give him a. Uh, picked up his option I think and I think they're waiting for this year to see and while it's likely that they will go in the direction of getting hit of adding him I think we're we're kind of rushing on that
0: for sure for sure I know and I know Matt like you keep it real man you're not going to sugarcoat it because you're you favor the Browns there's no doubt about it You you've loved the Browns for a long time and it's you're like me we don't we don't paint the door red, right? We know we don't overlap the paint to hide the ugliness of some areas. Like you got to talk about the whole picture. So, what I will say is, you know, I thought you were pretty critical of Baker early on, and and what yeah. I'm curious about, Matt, is like, have you seen strides? Like 2019 was a huge step. Like, do, do you think when you watch him, you've seen some encouraging things, or is it still a lot of the same flatline analysis for you that has not really broken the mold?
1: I've seen him start to make some moves moving in the pocket where he will climb a step or two in the pocket and be able and be comfortable doing that, which is a really important step to be able to win from the pocket because you have to be efficient and he's not retreating or looking for the. For the rollout as often, there are situations where he's shown more comfort with climbing. Now, is he more of a let me get outside as soon as I can type of quarterback when the opportunity presents itself? Absolutely. That's still going to be his preference. But seeing situations that he wouldn't climb before, he's doing some of that. So I like that. I think, you know, but overall... What we know, what I notice is that the whole look at what he did down the line and I look at the quality of the defenses that he faced last year during that streak and I think there were maybe three or four teams that were decent defenses and the defenses that gave him the most trouble and he looked like the player that he, you know, closer to the player that he was during his difficult year. Um, were the higher echelon defenses. So I think he's getting his stuff together enough that he's not falling apart, um, except maybe in some of these key plays against tougher defenses. Um, but this is why when we scouts and you know you talk to scouts in the NFL and you know this is why the evaluation process of NFL quarterbacks is often two to three years. And you might want to give Baker that first year as a mulligan because of the fact that he that he had such infighting within the organization to deal with and the type of scheme that he was dealing with as well. And this is his third scheme. I don't mind giving him at least a year of a mulligan to say, let's look at this year and see how that plays out. To see how that growth works because he's now in a stable system and giving him at least, you know, giving players at least 18 to 24 games in the same system is usually a fair way to be able to evaluate how their growth is going.
0: You know, a big thing I heard Peyton Manning talk about in the Manning cast, which again, I can't, you know, suggest that enough for quarterback discourse is. Yeah. You know, talking about defense is sitting in too high and just baiting you, baiting you to check run, baiting you to check it down, baiting you to be patient, saying you can't do it all game. You know, big part of listen. I think Baker's got great arm talent. Think he can drive the football. Think he does. I think he does a lot of things really well. It's, it's, it's uh, it's no secret that I've supported him through some tough times, and I've displayed that he's had struggles in tough times too. I try to keep that one hundred percent clear. And the thing I notice with Baker is still. You know, Brett Favre even talked about it when Brett Favre came on last night too. He's like, you know, um, you know, Holmgren used to just not call play calls with routes. They didn't want me throwing it downfield on third and eighteen. They wouldn't call routes because they knew I was gonna do it. And I think that's a mixture of what Baker's dealing with. You go back to yesterday's interception, it's third and thirteen. The Texans are dropping eight. He's got a he's got a simple mesh route right in front of his face and won't drop it to Kareem Hunt. It's like I guess where I'm going with it, Matt. Is is the aggressive nature he has, which the gunslinger stuff I think is accurate. He's not afraid to throw it downfield. He'll rip it for good or bad. Do you do you see many quarterbacks develop that harness in their approach? Like, do you see a guy go from a guy who's comfortable checking it down, understanding situationally? Because to me, that's a big part of what he has to figure out: situational football. I still don't totally think he has a great vibe for what defenses are going to do based on down and distance. And like, I guess again, what I'm getting at is, do you see quarterbacks develop? That maturity with understanding as they grow, because it's still early. You know, you'd like to see a quarterback of Baker's skill set get the second contract. The, the issue is the second contracts aren't the way they used to be, right? Like right. you got a mega deal; these guys are nothing. So that's the challenge. But if you put that aside, and he he stays in Cleveland with Kevin, who we think is a great play caller, five, six, seven years. Do you think that trait can come that he eventually uses those guys to let them create yards for him instead of feeling like he has to create yards for other people, if that makes sense?
1: It does, and I the, the easy answer is if he's staying that long, then, then the reason he's staying that long is because he's able to do that at that point. Now, I think the toughest thing about evaluating quarterbacks and, and talking about them and analyzing what they do is that they there the game is so in such a combination of technique cons concept, abstract concepts leadership and intuitive understanding of timing and being confident in that timing to anticipate what you see about to happen and and reacting to it in that way and the best do that but what happens is everyone has their flaws Peyton Manning talked about what he did but it was very clear that in the Super Bowl against Seattle that Seattle knew that Peyton Manning is an aggressive, impatient guy. Heck, just watch him in, in the, the show and Manning Manning's biting the football. He's kind of like, (laughs) you know, he's got that nervous energy and always people always said he had happy feet, but it was really more, um, impatient feet in the sense of like, he knew the answer and he wanted to get there. He's like that. He's like that ultra smart, you know, coworker or boss who's always cutting you off and interrupting you. And it's kind of nervous energy and you get to accustomed to it. Um, and he's kind of impatient, but it's only because he knows the answer. And, and in crunch time, you want that guy, but he can sometimes get too aggressive. And I think from this perspective, you know, in against Seattle, they knew he wasn't going to throw the ball to, they knew he was going to throw the ball to Julius Thomas And they just kept nailing Julius Thomas, knowing that Thomas did not catch the ball well against hard contact. And once he started dropping the ball, Peyton got impatient and then started doing things against the scheme's nature. And the Broncos got creamed in that Super Bowl. I mean, so Peyton knows that, you know, no matter how great of a quarterback you are, there are situations where they can paint you in a corner and that test can be won, especially if they are able to take away somebody that you're counting on to to keep you from going towards that tendency. And especially if it's a big game. So with that's why I'm saying it's still that. It still comes down to as simple as I put it, those three to five, four to six plays against top teams is what we're going to have to see. Will he be that player that the Browns re sign And that's why it's so tough because right now you can have a great argument for re signing him, especially with the scheme but and the scheme playing so well. And as long as they still have Chubb and Hunt or a great ground game with a great offensive line and a good and a strong defense, you're going to get them in the position against the best to play the best teams to be able to be in a position to go to a Super Bowl and win it. But at the end of the day, as everyone always says, and it sounds so cliche, your quarterback has to be able to elevate your team on occasion, unless for some reason you have a Jim Brown caliber player at another position. And as great as I think Nick Chubb is, um, and as good as, as cream hunt is, and they're, they're two of the best backs in the league. You still may find yourself in position in this league where you need Baker Mayfield to make plays where the defense says, we know who you are and we're going to make you do something that we don't think you're comfortable doing or make you, you know, show us that you're, you know, that you can be mature in these high pressure moments. And there's a difference between being high pressure against the Cincinnati Bengals And being high pressure against a team like the Chiefs and the the Ravens where they have quarterbacks who will elevate their team, put them on their back, and do things that you can't coach a quarterback to do. And if Baker Mayfield doesn't have that in them, and I'm sorry, you know, back shoulder throw to, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones is a good play, you know, but is it... Is it necessarily a great read, a great play, something that you have to elevate and transcend the nature of what's going on? I'd, I'd argue it's not really that. Um, so in order for you know in order for him to to be for that team our team to go further it would mean that the defense has to be able to make a play. You know, they're not quite he's not quite Trent Dilfer with the Baltimore Ravens. I'm not going there, but at the same time, it's that type of dynamic where you're going to need somebody to step up and and be great in other avenues to make plays if Baker Mayfield can't consistently give you those 3 to 4 in a game that the defense is like We've got the right look. We know your personnel is limited. We we've got this down. We've scouted you. And you've got to have that play where you go, oh well, he beat us. You know, the same way Ben Roethlisberger in his prime, you could you could do that with him and he'd and he'd beat you. You know, he, he would beat it. And the team would say, they just flat out beat us. You know, they didn't trick us, they didn't out scheme us. We said, bring it, and they did. And and I'm just And and until we know that, and the way we may end up knowing that is in the next three to four years after he's already signed. And that's why this is so difficult. And I think it's hard for Browns fans because they want that to be the case, but we don't know yet.
0: That's The the, the Roethlisberger thing is great because, you know, there are just going to be situations in any game where things are going to break down. Just like they're going to have the perfect scheme to what we're trying to do, uh, so on and so forth. Like Lamar, for example, like his, his most recent... The Chiefs game, he throws two terrible interceptions, terrible interceptions, and it doesn't matter because he can do enough innate things and, like you said, uncoachable things that he can make up for it, that even if it's a net negative in passing to begin, he can make up for it in other ways. Josh Allen can do the same thing. Kyler Murray. The game is evolving with these mobile quarterbacks, Matt, because they're so protected these days uh, in so many different ways as runners, not just as guys in the pocket. So, like, that is where if he is going to, if Baker's going to be a guy who's not known for running, and he's not, he has to become a guy who can beat you with his mind, right? Like, a guy who can be out in front of you, so tied into the scheme, so tied into anticip- anticipation of what you're going to do, that he beats you with the football being out before you can do what you need to do. That's the way Tom has done it. That's the way Peyton did it. That's the way Drew did it. If Baker's going to be a throwback guy, even, you know, Aaron does more extension, so I don't I can't kind of say Aaron and, and Pat Mahomes are similar in that regard. Like if yeah. Baker's gonna be a true throwback, sit in the pocket and beat you from there, which is what you want him to be, he's gotta get out in front of that stuff because that's his only leg up. He's got a great arm, that's cool. There's been plenty of guys with great arms, but he has to beat you with seeing the field, processing the field, and being out in front of you mentally. Am I right on that? Because Oh. You know, like you said, there are guys like Ben. Ben was beating people because he could hang with you in the pocket. He could defeat your blitz. He could brush you off and then find someone late. That's a lot of what these guys in the modern football are doing, just in a different way. They're able to beat you by running past you. If you get a free pressure off the left side, I'm Kyler Murray. I can spin out of this thing and throw a 50 yard bomb because we anticipated this pressure being perfect. And it was. Yeah but they beat us. So Baker has to find that niche, right? To like be the dude we think he can be for him to have that come to fruition, it's about finding the niche.
1: It's a th- you are 1000% correct. I think it's a wonderful point because that that's the problem is that the a lot of the evaluators set the tone that he was Russell Wilson or Brett Favre. When the national media says that, listen, Russell Wilson has top one percent pocket management in terms of the ability to extend plays. And then you have and great anticipation. Brett Favre was the guy who could have people hanging off of him and get creamed and shake people off. And then he had the John Elway-esque arm and but you know Baker Mayfield has an above average arm. I know people will say, "Oh, he's got a great arm." Well, above average arm for the NFL is a great arm, but it's not it's not in the top tier. We're not talking about you know, we're not talking about Rodgers or or um you know Mahomes or even Matt Stafford who have just absolute guns and can place it in places across the field that Or or Josh Allen, for that matter. You, You know, those guys have have just like their top tier arms in the top, you know, two to three guys, you know, and there's usually only four to five guys at most in a in a period of the NFL each, you know, during a generation of quarterbacks that have that kind of arm strength. And Baker doesn't have that. It's just a notch below. It's it's above average. Same thing with the mobility. You know, he doesn't have that Russell Wilson mobility. People overestimated that, you know, and that's that's why keeping him in the pocket and having design plays make more sense because he does get caught from behind a lot. He doesn't have great stop-start acceleration. It has to be with the mind for him to win, and he didn't do that at Oklahoma. He was a Russell Wilson-type quarterback for the college game, In Oklahoma, you know, but he wasn't one, you know, but it didn't project for the pro game. And that's where I think evaluators missed on him is that they saw what he is in college, but they didn't accurately project what he has to be in the pro game. So that expectation has, you know, is there's a little bit of a cognitive dissonance there with all of that. But I think your point's fantastic. He's going to need to do that. And if the team is winning and he's getting away with that, you know, it's not that he's not willing to work, but it may just be that he's thinking things are good in the way that this is going and he doesn't have to do the extra, extra work that is necessary away from the game to become great. Um, Maybe he's thinking that they are on their path to greatness. And I mean, I don't know that answer. I don't know what he's doing behind the scenes. I know that he's worked with his team in the offseason and that was great. But, you know, is he revamping his game? I mean, it, Jameis Winston, I'm not trying to compare him to Jameis Winston in terms of their careers, but Jameis Winston, who has a big arm and and was certainly successful at Florida State. It was only this year that he figured out that he needed to revamp his footwork and he looked like a different quarterback in week one because of the way he revamped that footwork. But before that, the the foundation of his game was really lacking because he he was just more concerned about game plan and execution, but there was something that wasn't working perfectly for him to be able to do all the higher-end things that needed to be done. I mean, you, at some point, your the great players either have unbelievable fundamentals that they can build upon and do all that crazy stuff because their fundamentals are down so are so well honed or the things that they do that are not that don't look fundamental to you they've worked on them so well that they're it's fundamental to them it's trailblazing you know I mean that's why you know certain styles of throws that are in that Mahomes does or that his ability to make pl- plays, you know, off platform, he practiced that stuff to the point that it became fundamental. But people who scouted him and were mistaken thought he's not going to get away with that because he doesn't have good mechanics. When in fact, what he did is, is very mechanically sound for the situations that he practices this for. And that those are things that I just think it's easy to miss as a, as a football fan.
0: I'm with you. Couldn't be more with you in terms of the adjustment process of Baker College to pro and how pro-ready people thought he was. There were things that we glossed over. Now, I do think he's come a long way, Matt. I think that they're asking him to do things under center. He's never done at any level of his career. Yes. And he's committed to it. He has developed a really nice repertoire and play action in terms of the mechanics of it. He's growing. He's not a finished product. He can still get there. But what we're trying to say is that there needs to be more growth before you try to throw him in to a group that he needs to prove he belongs in. So this was a great conversation on quarterback play. Before we go, I know we're we're twenty 25 deep. I wanted to keep you for 15. This is what happens when we get together. That's okay. I love it. I want to talk defense. You've watched Joe Woods for two weeks, man. Like the, the basic of Joe Woods' defense was can you get the right guys on the field? And I think he has finally, with his three safeties, played a nice portion of dime defense, a nice portion of nickel last week as he got Grant Delpit and Ronnie Harrison to play full games, he did some personnel things i like but matt i'm telling you man and i'm sure you're seeing it they're not confusing any oc or quarterback they almost know exactly what they're going to get no matter how they line up and there is no confusion pre to post there's no muddying i get what they're trying to do they're trying to funnel things short funnel the football short make plays stay stay out of the seam stay out of the posts, eliminate big plays that's cool but the personnel they've accumulated between Newsom and Ward and Johnson and Harrison and Delpit you got to get aggressive at some point right like there's too much talent here so I want to start with that question and then I want to ask you about John Johnson at the end
1: okay well I think this is I think this is a place where we need to say let's be patient once again because all of that involves great communication and when you have so many new players in the system they're still getting to know each other, and rehearsals are different than performances. And th- we're in the performance stage of the season, but the, the preseason was the rehearsal stage. And especially when you have a guy like Delpit coming back from injury, you've got you know a couple free agents, you've got some rookies, and you know you got a rookie linebacker who's you know kind of a hybrid style type of player or can be. Um, they have to see what they've got. You know, this is their chance. They're going to play all game long, not a small sample size against ones. They're going to actually play against the ones all game long. And they need to see what these guys do well, what they're not doing well. And I think they're giving it a mu- and who's going to be on the field and what type of things they can communicate to be a little bit more aggressive. I mean, the fact that Grant Delpit, this is his first pro game, you know, and he might be the most, he might arguably be the guy that could be your Buddha Baker, Troy Polamalu, Ed Reed type of player who can freelance or can do things on instinct that very few safeties in the league can do. And you don't want to just turn that faucet on right away without knowing how everyone can adjust to one another and see, you, you know, and get a feel for it. So I think they're playing a little bit more, I don't, vanilla's maybe a, not the right word for it, but they're being a little more basic with like, this is our basic game plan, we're going to go with that, and let's kind of slowly put some things into play. Like what they did with Delpit this, you know, yesterday, I mean, it seems to me you could you could see the possibilities of like, all right, we can blitz this guy. We, you know, this is a guy who's making some pretty good reads of situations. Is he doing, is he playing fundamentally sound football? Is he tackling? Is he, you know, he's able to put his notes in there, Um, you know, and is he, or is he going to freelance so much that he's going to expose us in other ways? And yesterday, yesterday or two days ago, I thought he did a good job with the, you know with the the number of plays that they put him in for in the second half of the game and really showed that he can be the potential to be a playmaker but i don't think you just say you, you know what grant helpet let's let's make you troy polamalu right now i think they're more like all right how are you going to be all right that's good these things are good you covered the right guy when that when the quarterback broke the pocket, then you made the read and you got in there and you're able to do it. You stuck your nose in there and wrapped up the running back a couple of times. You know, you know, w- you know can, are you covering the back end well? Are you communicating well with your teammates? And once they see that, I think down the stretch, that's where we're going to see some attacking safety work, maybe a little bit more with the rookie linebacker, you know, and do some things that that can be. Um, really confusing to opposing offenses
0: well along that confusion comes with john johnson who was in all everything Rams defensive back i mean he was a linebacker at times he was a slot cover player he was a box edge defender he did it all he played some free he's played a lot of free in cleveland they're sticking him back two high looks single high looks he's playing center field he was a guy who could guard kittle and give him trouble he could man-to-man slot players and give him trouble he could come he i feel like John Johnson's been one of their worst graded players through two weeks. I know the sample size isn't big, Matt, but I'm a little concerned about the return of investment on spending on this guy who can change the game in a lot of different ways, much like you're talking about Grant Delpit, but is proven to do it. So they're sticking him deep, and it's like to me, let this guy get—he's an energy guy. Let him be in the action often. Let the players thrive off of how he plays and performs. And I just get a bad vibe that they're using John the wrong way, especially now that you have Grant back, who can be a twitchy center fielder. I think John Johnson does so many things well. He is a, a, a really rangy guy back there, but he's not known for his athleticism coming out of Boston College, and it's certainly been the worst part of his game. Not that he's bad at it. Again, a guy who plays well, as well as he has, even the worst part of their game is not bad. It's just not what he does best. So to me, it's a really interesting decision to peg John as your deep guy for so often. Now, it could change. Chicago this week could be completely different. But to me, I hope they change it. Do you see the need to do that for him? And does Grant, like you were just referencing some of his skills, I think Grant is so rangy as a center fielder back to his LSU days. That can be a nice role for him too.
1: I agree. I I I agree with all of that. I just think that Again, the NFL is notoriously slow about this stuff. It's like turning a battleship. And I think that they're in a situation where, again, because they wanted to see how Delpit would respond and be in that game, they still, you know, they have, you know, enough unfamiliarity with each other that I think they want to wait a little bit to, to implement some of that. And I just think that with Johnson, it is frustrating to watch when you know what a guy can do, but it still depends on, in order for him to make those types of plays, you have to be feel good about what's going on behind him or outside of him or within what, his, because you're asking him to do something that's kind of beyond the envelope of what you normally ask a player at his position to do. And as a result of that, that means you are leaning on other people to be assignment sound. Um, and I think that that's, I'm hoping that, you know, this is my hope. I don't, um, is that that's really the, the bigger issue is that they're hoping that the rest of the team can be assignment sound enough over the course of some weeks that they can implement more, or they may feel like we know this is what we want to do. Um, And maybe we've, I don't know if they've practiced that or practiced doing some of those things, but if they have, maybe they're like, we're going to wait just a little bit because we want to, maybe want to get, we know that teams usually get four weeks, five weeks worth of games before they start scouting. And we don't want to like pull that string too early when we know down the stretch that, you know, we can really use this and disrupt teams who have a scouting report of what our defense is like. And we can wait till the right time to start implementing this stuff and really disrupt people and catch them by surprise.
0: That's definitely the hope. It's early. They can change a lot. It's very understandable what they're doing. No doubt about that. There's uh, there's reason to believe it could come. We're having the same conversation. I said it yesterday's pod and on, on Twitch channel, all that stuff. This week, 10 conversation. It's different, right? You need a bigger sample size. Anything else you want to talk about, Browns, Matt? I mean, what, what have you thought of Clowney? Any of the other additions, or just general Stefanski things?
1: I just, you know, I love what I love seeing that we have a run stopper in Clowney, who's just an elite run stopper. I mean, yeah, certainly, you know, grumpy Browns fans will say, yeah, but then he'll he'll go offside on the next play and give it back, you know. But sometimes that'll happen. But at at the same point, the fact that you can have a guy who can force a defense or an opposing offense into a second and long third and long. And you've just basically condensed their playbook and eliminated a lot of their plays that they like early on is just a fantastic resource. And it's going to help some of the things that we want to see happen down the stretch. um, If they, if they start implementing that because he's going to put the Browns in position to be more aggressive um, and so I'm happy with what I see from him there. The fact that they do have a rotation of some good pass rushers that they'll, that will start to see more of like Tack McKinley, who I've watched in Atlanta, who's, who's got some potential as a pass rusher for sure. Um, and can do some good things for you in that space, you know, that you can rotate and, along with Garrett, you know, who's just, you know, we all know how great he is. Um, so I'm, I'm certainly, I'm enthusiastic. Enthusiastic about that. I like how they've been using, you know, Schwartz and Felton, um, you know, in the past couple of weeks, they found ways to, to put them in positions where they're comfortable and, and allow them to make plays, um, based on their current talents, not asking them to be anything more than what they are. And when you have a good offensive line like that and, and a good scheme that works well, um, That's a positive that's giving them the necessary experience they need without over, you know, without saturating them with a lot of stuff that can overwhelm them. So, you know, so far I like it. Stefanski, you know, you look at his game and he's, you know, I like what Njoku is finally, you know, I've been hard on him the past year because to me it just felt like this is an unbelievable physical talent who had the potential to become one of the best tight ends in the league who just basically whined. I don't basically what he said to me was, I don't think Cleveland's ever going to be good and I don't want to be here. And then he found, Oh, we're good. Well, let me jump back on that bandwagon. But I I know I'm going to need to work now in order to do that. I'm going to have to actually put my egg, a work ethic game into what I'm doing. And I think we're seeing some signs of, of him making the improvements that we wanted to see years ago. Um, So, but you know, now it's the toothpaste is kind of out of the tube with him because he's a great portion of that. But you still have two uh, two other good tight ends in that unit that they're going to keep, you know, using in different ways. He's never going to be that all around guy for the Browns unless injury strike. Um, and I don't even know if he can handle it. Um, so, you know, but still, it's nice to see what he did. Um, what he's done early on, I want to continue to see that effort. And he's a young guy. He's allowed to make have screw ups of decisions and go. And he fired his agent and realized probably that he needed to to do the grown up thing, which was to shut his mouth and work. And he did. Um, and that's a good start. So all in all, I think everything's trending forward. You know, in the right way. And the you know the fact that the Browns played the Chiefs as close as they did was a good sign there wasn't a letdown from that championship game. Um, this is a team that's excited feels like they're in it for the long haul. They know they're running a marathon not a sprint which is the right way to go when you're a a team in your prime with that window open. They know that they're playing to be in it in January and that's a you, you know that's a new thing for Cleveland in in you know in the past decade and a half.
0: Matt, this was great, man. Super insightful. We appreciate you bringing your intelligence to this pod. I know I know, Browns fans listeners of this, the OBR Film Breakdown, will really, really always appreciate to have your insight whenever we can. We hopefully will see them push towards the playoffs, and maybe we can reconnect right about that time, see where they're at toward the end of the year and preview that a little bit. What do you say?
1: I think that sounds fantastic. It's always great to get to talk about this team. And if anybody has the in with, with the great Cleveland Brown himself, it's my bucket list desire to be able to watch running back film with jim brown that's all i have to say so if anyone anyone influential knows that you know maybe i can get a gofundme and we can like pay jim to do that that would be or mr brown excuse me but anyway that's right that's another matter right
0: there (laughs) (laughs) we're putting out a call right now if anybody listens to this knows jim brown get the hook up man so and i'm good at
1: backgammon
0: so you (laughs) know we could play some i'll I'll host him in some
1: backgammon let him whip me because apparently he's a he's a pro level player
0: that's what I've heard too. We'll, uh, we'll try to set that up. We'll do all we can through this channel, Matt. That's my word, man. Thanks again, buddy. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for joining us today, guys. Always appreciate your support. your listening uh, to the show and uh, thanks to Matt Waldman for joining us. Uh, I, like I said, the Twitch replay will be available. I will tweet that out today so that you can find it a good, a good show. A lot of different perspectives on how Baker played in this game and looking at uh, offensive line play with Kyle Murphy, and then obviously checking out defense at the end with John Stephenson. That will be your usual Wednesday show moving forward. No no longer Tuesdays, but Wednesday. Thanks for checking this out. Again, reminder, check out the defensive and offensive scouting notes, which will go up in just a little bit on Twitter. We'll post or, – or, on, sorry, on the OBR. We'll have those both uh, throughout the day, so you can check those and read up on performances from the Browns and much more. Thanks for joining today. Appreciate your support about this podcast, whether that's reviewing it, subscribing to it, uh, telling somebody. Always, always, always appreciate that. Have a fantastic Wednesday, and go Browns!